Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to get creator's perspective on Mr. Spock and the exaltation of logic. I, I think probably most people have encountered Mr. Spock somewhere in their viewing history. He's, you know, Star Trek is, was a popular, barely survived the, the 60s, the first episode, but then it became a cult classic, it was on weekend television throughout, for stations throughout the country every Saturday and Sunday growing up in the 70s, which was my experience. Then there was movies and more spinoffs and everything else. So it's a well-known phenomenon. But we're not going to go into Star Trek minutia. We're going to explore really the exaltation of logic, which is really the message behind Mr. Spock. Yes, as a channeler of Creator Ball, it is. I ask all kinds of questions. Many would seem odd to others, but there's always a reason. There's always a purpose. You put these questions together, actually, because of, uh, you know, perception. I think that there's something to be learned from showcasing human nature and sort of mirroring that with extraterrestrials who may have grown up in a different culture. And that, that's often a way to see ourselves more clearly when we have something else to compare to. And I think the the interesting answers will... Uh, will be entertaining as well as enlightening. I think so. We'll get right into it. U.S. creator, Star Trek's Mr. Spock is arguably one of the most memorable, intriguing, and even endearing figures in all of science fiction. Spock, the first officer of the Starship Enterprise in the Star Trek television series of the late 1960s, was depicted as a half-human, half-Vulcan humanoid with pointy ears from the planet Vulcan in a star system many light years from Earth. Vulcan philosophy centered around the concept of logic. The highest objective of a traditional Vulcan was to control or suppress all emotion, establishing a purely logical being. Having learned that many science fiction characters have their origin in divine inspiration, we asked creator, was Mr. Spock also a product of divine inspiration? All right, and this is what creator told us. Unfortunately, we would say very much the opposite. Although this is a much beloved character, it was beloved for ironic reasons. People in their heart of hearts were rooting for him to show a softer side, to show a more human side, to finally, after lo many sessions in the series and many seasons, to finally warm up to his human companions and show a broader, deeper part of himself in much the same way that people yearn for themselves to blossom and become complete as human beings and have all the attributes that are admired so they can become popular and most of all accepted by those around them who they truly care about. The ongoing tension in this series between this Spock character and his human companions was emblematic of the contrast and the potential odd circumstances that will arise. When humans are in the presence of someone non-human who lacks their emotional depth, this, in fact, is a warning. 
not something to be admired or sought to emulate by the masses of humanity as an example of pristine nature and character, seemingly untarnished by messy emotional swings and creating complications and how to cope and to manage those feelings in dealing with others. It is better to be human and filled with emotion at times as a full repertoire of possibilities than a one-dimensional being who has only logic to command and experience and will miss out on the greatest of possible experiences, the joy and bliss that is the experiencing of love, especially divine love. You know, I had a complex reaction to this answer. You know, I part of me kind of understood that creator was not going to, you know, endorse a being that was unemotional. I kind of knew that. But uh, creator came out rather forcefully and said, no, this is not, <laughs> this is not even a little bit divine inspiration. That kind of surprised me a little bit, actually. Well, the way I would frame it as another way of looking at this question is looking at the technology of artificial intelligence. Right. You know, they're striving to make a supercomputer greater than ever has been created, something that can mimic the number of neurologic operations that happen within the human brain and and process prodigious amounts of information and eventually mimic humans and and serve in their stead, you know, uh, as servants, as robotic uh, assistants, and so on. But, you know, that is all logic in action. Yeah, that's true. true. But there's no humanity, and that humanity is the emotional component. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You want to sleep with a robot? Marry a robot? (laughs) You know, there have been science fiction stories about that. But I don't think so. (laughs) Well, you know, real real quick, because we'll get to the next question. But, you know, it's interesting that there are storylines out there of robots trying to become more human. But essentially, the Vulcan represents the human trying to become more more robot, you know, which is kind of weird. But that's what we're exploring today, people. We're exploring ask, it, indeed. <laughs> indeed. You ask creator, as we have learned that as we have learned that outside the Milky Way galaxy, all beings have a direct connection to creator. The possibility of an actual civilization like Vulcan, where the highest objective was suppression or, or control of emotion, can only exist in the Milky Way galaxy. A, a civilization that only con- that controls emotion can only exist in the Milky Way galaxy is what we're speculating here. Does the Vulcan culture as depicted in a Star Trek actually exist in one or more civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. Creator told us, we would say yes emphatically to this. The premier example is exhibited by the alien greys who are bereft of emotions and entirely logical and systematic in their thinking and doing. This goes with the penalty of being loveless and that is because they are soulless beings. They are a robotic artificial intelligence. So the E.T. character as an extraterrestrial in many popular movies, often portrayed as childlike and fragile and a willing would-be companion to human, is a false idea altogether. The alien greys are incapable of caring about human beings whatsoever. They only do things that are logical to them. 
whether it causes pain to a human being is simply not their concern and they will be ruthless in carrying out their aims because they are emotionless and unable to have compassion. This is not something at all desirable. And in fact, there are other species of extraterrestrials within your galaxy who have been diminished and subjugated to such an extent that their emotions are largely squelched as to be almost non-existent and certainly inexpressible. And this is always a combination of manipulation to render them in effect neutered of emotionality as you would castrate an animal and also being subjugated and dominated through fear. When the only emotion you are capable of experiencing is fear, there will be but a limited capability for appreciating or enjoying life. Everything will be either humdrum, drudgery, and boring routine, or times of terror when you are in fear for your life. That is not living. That is ghastly diminishment and manipulation that is non-divine from first to last in its orchestration. This may well have been the fate of humans, but for two things. The alien greys were highly curious about your emotionality because they so rarely see it on display in other worlds with other races of beings other than the emotions of power and control exhibited by their makers and the other species of extraterrestrials within the dark extraterrestrial alliance. That created a circumstance where the Anunnaki, in allowing the Arcturians and their alien gray robotic minions to participate in the domination of Earth, indulged the curiosity of the grays to let human emotionality alone. And they actually came to enjoy seeing it on display, as much of it seems foolish and humorous to them, because it is so antithetical to their lust for power, control, and subjugation of other life forms, as a means of deriving pleasure. So this too represents a study in contrast that is quite instructive about what is prone to bring about goodness and what is more consistent with evildoers and their manipulations. You know, there's a couple of big wows in here. The first is that basically creator is saying that we are indeed a rare species in this galaxy and therefore in the universe as well, because we have a vast range of emotions that we haven't been allowed to express and enjoy. And apparently that's rare. It's creator basically said as much here. The grays have rarely encountered it. And um, I also detect on top of that real divine intervention because we've learned in this project that creator, you know, does some fine tuning of events to bring about the desired outcome. And this standing down of the Anunnaki to allow us to be emotional so the grades could study us, that just smacks of divine intervention all over the place. I don't know what you think, Carl. <laughs> well, it, it is, and I happen to know that that is so. So if everybody's confused out there, let me just quickly say before we move on that the we're, we're mixing fictional extraterrestrial characters from Star Trek in a discussion with real extraterrestrials who are here on the Earth right now running things from behind the scene. Those are Arcturians and other other species of ETs. And their robotic grays have been highlighted in many motion pictures, as Creator alluded to. These are the little guys with the big slanty black eyes and uh, look like children. But they are robotic beings, and they are ruthless 
in carrying yes. out all kinds of manipulations. So this is not a, a, a trivial exploration by any means. No, definitely not. I just want to say we do that mixing and matching without shame, Carl. <laughs> you ask creator, assuming that creator is not going to endorse the suppression of emotion as love is emotion and love is life force energy, which all beings need. What about the self-control of emotion? All right. And these are creator's words. Anyone raising a child is fully acquainted with the consequences of unbridled emotion. And this is self-experienced from infancy onward by each human being who fully understand it is extremes of emotion that can make life at times quite unbearable because it is a disconnect that often will outrank physical pain in the self-harm it causes and will be avoided even more avidly by many who have lived in anguish in the grip of their emotional negativity to suffer greatly on a chronic basis. This can clearly be depleting and even lead to early death because of the consequences of stress induced by such massive unhappiness that people would rather be dead than alive. The essence of our message is for you in the art of living comes back again and again to the idea of balance. This is not necessarily moderation in all things, quote unquote, although there can well be much wisdom in that. But why would you wish to moderate joy? Why would you wish to limit love to only go so far, be only so deep, only so ravishing and only so pleasurable? There is a spectrum of possibilities in the range of emotional experiences from the positive to the negative. So there is a need for both to be fully in touch with life experience in all its forms and dimensions. You are here to learn and you are in the most challenging of environments that exist. The physical realm where everything is heavy and dense and slow and encumbered and constrained and quite difficult as well as being fragile and having many external adjuncts and requirements that must somehow be acquired through physical effort under the most difficult of circumstances at times when one is in competition with others for resources or maybe in a place where needed materials are scarce and the acquisition of even food and water puts life at risk because of the local environmental circumstances. So we know your question here to be more one of allowance and its consequences. So there are many obligations people have and many expectations from others about deportment, the personal conduct expected to fit in society in ways that will be acceptable, that demand certain traits and the demonstration of certain behaviors to be respectful and accommodating of others. Social niceties are a relatively minor concern. What is of utmost importance is to live within an emotional range that is consistent with health and well-being, because excesses of emotion can not only be draining but destructive to the system through triggering a physiological stress response that is actually destructive to cell function and longevity. People simply cannot live in extreme states of emotion for long if they are of a negative sort. Positive emotions will also be draining eventually and exhaust a person. Everyone needs to stand down and recharge and to have a rest period 
where they disengage and get a restful sleep. So these are also automatic built-in ways to balance one's energy. Eventually, people will burn out and be forced to sleep for a time, but there are many stages and levels of emotion in between that ideally are under some control of the person so they can protect themselves, moderate their behavior by keeping emotions somewhat in check to avoid a social faux pas or creating a misunderstanding or worse, an injury to someone that might lead to bad blood and long-term adverse consequences. The control of emotions is not simply the turning of a dial, a physiological kind of regulation that is self-balancing via normal control mechanisms, via hormones and neurotransmitters and such. There is an inner drive that is a soul characteristic wanting to come forth. And there will be many interior motivations, the need for survival, the desires to have friendships and love partners, to be successful, to be financially secure, to gain an advantage, so one can feel safe and a part of things and have a place amongst a human community. There may be a high level of emotion that that arises while people are sorting out how to make these things happen. And some will struggle mightily, in part because of having some limitations in their talents for interacting with others, but mostly through prior karmic history where they will have had lives where things went wrong and they suffered and had a terrible emotional life as a consequence. The law of karma will bring back to each person similar dilemmas to be worked on yet again in a new incarnation. So the ability to govern emotion is an aspect of what is involved in survival and in the process of healing oneself to repair the past and set the stage to be on a higher plane of attainment so one's future has greater possibilities for improvement. Well, that's certainly an answer I was fishing for, I think, with this question, is that, um, you know, the, the opposite of no emotion is unbridled emotion, you know, that, that just runs amok. And obviously, creator is not for that, per se. Creator is actually using the term art of live the art of living you know which is an important phrase that that creator utilizes because that's really what we're after we're after a balance and yes. that, that's something that we have to achieve on our own with creator's help of course yes and uh, the thing that comes to mind here is that we have a, an illustration of this tension in society historically in how women were so dismissed for decades and decades and centuries, you know, those emotional beings that right. really aren't stable and they can't be trusted with important decisions and we have to shove them off to the side because men are strong and sturdy and resolute. And that is an imposition of an alien perspective. Power yes. and control mean everything. And yep. emotions have no place. So there, there's consequences of living through and experiencing these contrasting ideas and, and emotional life within us. It's an inherent part of us. Absolutely. And while we're on the topic of art of living, be sure to download our 10 principles for divine living. You can get that at getwisdom.com slash 10 T-E-N, getwisdom.com slash 10 T-E-N, 10 principles for divine living. That's it's wonderful information right on this topic. And we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are looking at creator's perspective of Star Trek's Mr. Spock and the exaltation of logic. And so far, it's been a very interesting, you know, very interesting foray, Carl. Well, again, there's something to be learned by fiction. And often life ends up on the big screen and the little screen because it it's the fodder for the artist and the writer. And it teaches us things that sometimes are deeper truths. And it's often inspired and it's often a mirror of corrupting influences as well and usually a mix of these actually yes so we we can learn from all of it and we'll use that as a kind of sounding board with creator's help and get some feedback about how humans live and our characteristics and what ones are important and how to balance things so this this is a useful way to to do it i think so i think so you ask creator while the character of Mr. Spock endeavored to always be logical, he was nevertheless depicted as a good person. The meta-message was that being a good, helpful, and even generous person was logical. What is Creator's perspective on goodness being logical? All right, these are Creator's words. We would say that goodness is completely logical because it is in divine alignment. The idea of living like Mr. Spock, largely devoid of any hint of emotion, leads to a very dry interchange and inherently one that is emotionally unsatisfying to people around such an individual. Everyone has emotional needs, and these are filled in part through the sharing of emotions with others through exchanges of stories, expressions of interest, and concern for one's difficulties and challenges and moments of exasperation that might be shared. This is where people can treat one another with a loving touch to be nurturing, to be supportive, to be a true friend by commiserating with an ongoing struggle and an expression of solidarity. Gestures of friendship are an outreach of love in action. 
without feeling, there can be no expression of love because the true are intertwined. So again, the ideal of someone who is imperturbable, being a model standard of conduct is a misplaced notion because that is a limited way to be that ultimately will be unsatisfying to those in that person's company. You would certainly not wish to have a life with such a person on a desert island. It would not only be dull, it would be deadening. The important things in life are feelings because that is how love is experienced as a feeling and how it is expressed in the conveyance of a feeling and how it is recognized by the kindling of a similar resonance within the recipient of the loving gesture to feel love as well. In the absence of emotion, having only logic to experience, such an exchange done with love cannot be mounted, let alone experienced and welcome. Similar to being trapped with someone for an extended period devoid of emotion and only possessing logic, you would not want to be with an emotional person whom you intensely dislike for a host of reasons because of basic incompatibility. It would certainly be most likely an emotional roller coaster, but none of it would be pleasant, enjoyable, or satisfying. So again, we are back to the question of balance. The question of emotional temperament, whether on the positive end of the scale or the negative, makes a great deal of difference, and the art of living is to seek ways to spend one's time within the positive emotional range and avoid the negative to the extent one can. Wow, this is a powerful answer. And, you know, you said, <laughs> you said earlier in the discussion that sometimes we might need to break some of these down and really ponder this. This is one of those challenge, channelings, one that's really ponderous for sure. Um, yeah, it's, this is a good one. Well, and, and curiously enough, a viewer at Get Wisdom sent in a question a few days ago asking simply, are emotions a natural language of creator. Yes, and I did a channeling last night, and I asked the question, and I got quite an earful uh, boy, <laughs> about how emotion is very much the makeup of creator and creator's consciousness, of which we are extensions. So right. emotions spring from the soul. Right. They're not just some latter-day product of evolution that turned out to be handy, and so selection pressure made us emotional so we could react to things and take evasive action and so on. Yes, they have survival value, too, but it's built in, and it's much, much deeper and more important than that. Wow. You asked, Creator, the Vulcans were depicted as highly telepathic beings, and they were also portrayed as believing in the continuation of consciousness beyond the death of the body. Non-local consciousness is widely depicted as a product of runaway imagination and emotion rather than rational logic among today's secularists. Yet Vulcans had pronounced, had pronounced non-local consciousness abilities and complex mystical religious traditions while being logical in the extreme. This is a strange mix that runs counter to the current atheistic outlook on logic. Can Creator comment? All right, and Creator says the following. We would say that the attempt to construct this character was to give a kind of token reference to a possible human-like spiritual underpinning so that he would not appear to be totally robotic in nature 
And to have that air of mystery leaves open the door that there is a feeling side, a feeling capability that perhaps he could grow into or find a way to get in touch with, perhaps through those mysterious rituals that were depicted or referenced. But this still puts the lie to the premise of your questions and the overarching nature of Mr. Spock being a kind of cold-hearted character. He was possessed of ethics, but that is a kind of transactional calculation for mutual benefit to not be a savage, but live through cooperative effort. This could be programmed into robots to not war with one another, but slip into needed roles as they come up, much as one might see an empty spot in an assembly line and put in a tour of duty, not out of goodness of their heart and a loving gesture, but simply because they have a responsibility and are willing to contribute to group effort because it will help the self. The key aspect here is to what extent one is served by living in a particular way. We would say a life of balance is dependent on having access to love, love feelings, both experienced in receiving love and in giving love to others. To us, it is an essential part of balance for love to be in the equation. It is the source of the life force energy, and it has within it all that is needed for sustenance of the individual and to supply a satisfying life experience to answer the yearnings of the soul. Everything you wish to be, to have, to experience, to become, and to participate in involves love in important ways. Without that as a central framework, you are left with things that are mundane and often of little value, or even being meaningless. A life without love is a life without meaningful purpose, and to us, not worth living. So the calculation here of weighing the virtue of someone with an extreme level of logic, but little feelings, could never win the race, could never measure up, and could never truly be a full partner in a human family. And so it was quite fitting that the Spock character was an alien being and not simply a human with an aloof manner and disengaged from others on a feeling level, because that would clearly be seen as flawed and a lesser being. Spock was a central character because of this tension between seeing him as non-human but wanting him to be human because he was clearly a contributor in many ways to various plots in the successful survival even of his human companions because of his extreme intelligence, hardworking dedication, and willingness to accept a common cause to which he contributed his full measure, albeit within his range of capabilities. So he made up for his shortcomings with an abundance of logic-based thinking, vast knowledge, a keen intelligence, and an ability to be calm, cool, and collected in a crisis. So there were positives he brought to the group, but he was certainly not anything like a well-rounded human being. The trap of atheism is the ignorance in being aware that when one disconnects from God, you are severing your love line along with your lifeline. You may well be supported with energy as a gesture of respect and obligation from the divine, and you will continue to be loved as a divine creation and extension of divine consciousness, but you will be shortchanging yourself, and eventually 
you will make yourself suffer from creating the disconnection because as love wanes from your being, you will lose the most important essence of what you command. And that is the energy and wisdom of a love-based being. You know, this, this phrase, a kind of transactional calculation for mutual benefit is how he describes, you know, Spock's approach to, to being ethical. And uh, <laughs> I yeah. got to hand it to creator, boy, he really comes up with the phrases, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, much better than I can do, I, I promise you. But th- this is so very true. And I, you know, as a scientist for many, many, many years, you know, I lived through all those lectures about evolution and so on and pondered it. And it made sense, you know, that altruism is a product of evolution because it has survival value. So a flock of birds that watches out for the group and sounds a warning if a predator comes new and all that. I mean, that looks like a charitable act. And indeed it is. But I can tell you there's love in living things, not just humans. Right. And, and it's, a, it's a wisdom that comes from the divine that's on display. <laughs> it's not just some cold calculation, robot-like, that you learn somehow to do kind of on autopilot. And if you don't learn that and get it in your genes, you'll get Select it out, and you'll be left on on the wayside. And and only the ones who have that kind of robotic instinct, with no thought or logic or feeling or passion or higher wisdom, are the ones that make it through. And so this this is uh, this is a way of thinking that people need to come back to. And it's rather shocking that the atheist is on a loveless trajectory. Right. Yes. They might still be able to do it because there's leftover love from when they were connected, which wasn't yes. that long ago. We don't live that long. But these extraterrestrials are very long-lived. They haven't gone back to the light in a long, long time. Right. And they come from a loveless society and are within one. You know, and, and that reminds me of a conversation we had a while back that, uh, you know, a lot of atheists, you know, have morality. And you reminded that, well, they're – Atheists, especially in the United States, are are raised surrounded by Judeo Christianity. You know, I mean, it, you you can't not be unaffected by that. So we don't live in a truly secular society from A to Z at this point. Not yet. Uh, not yet. But that's the danger. That's the road we're heading down. And the lack of morality is something that is going to eventually manifest if atheism is carried to an extreme. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and of course, there's propaganda that supports the idea that religion is dangerous because people have killed in the name of the Lord, and that's very, very true. But certainly people kill many more others in service to the state than they do in service to God. Nazi Germany and the communist world is, is atheist. You well, know, and it's true. It's true of America, you know. No, for God, yeah, yeah, for flag, God flag, and apple pie. But it's 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 a lot to do with the flag, you know. Our <laughs> our clan, our our right. group needs survival, and we deserve it. And and we'll kill to have that feeling that we're going to be safe again if we take out someone who's against us. So it, yeah. it's a trap. It is indeed. You asked Creator, what is Creator's perspective on the phrase, disciplining the mind? 
All right, and Creator tells us the following. This phrase will obviously mean many things to many people. It is much like the question of what is art? Beauty is the in the eye of the beholder, and so is most everything you want to define and discuss about personal preferences and perspectives. There obviously must be discipline in order to have a means to restore balance when there is an excess of some kind underway or on display that needs to be reined in or something done mistakenly needs to be reworked and something restored to compensate for an irregularity or an error of some kind. So we see in this context disciplining the mind as striking a balance between reason and emotion using a loving purpose as the goal and with overall balance as a consequence of having fairness to all. One can do pretty well in making choices and decisions about how to deploy one's time and energy in going about the business of life while working to be successful and see to personal needs, but not at the expense of others. Creating a way to be acceptable and an even valued member of the community. In a sense, If balance is the goal, discipline is the mechanism. And if it is about love being the energy one is working with, you will have the basics you need to create a successful life for yourself and help others to do the same. All of these attributes will be enhanced through a partnership with the divine. I think that last phrase that last sentence is incredibly important uh creator really doesn't mince words if balance is the goal discipline is the mechanism you know so discipline is not a it's not a fun topic you know i mean i don't associate the word fun with discipline do you carl but it's important but but creator goes on to say and if it is about love being the energy one is working with you have all the basics you need so you can't take love out of the equation either. No. No, you, you need goals, you need discipline to achieve them, and you need love to work with and love to be an objective even so that you're doing something that will elevate you, will lift you up and raise you to new heights and help others. And in that act of loving kindness, you serve your soul and you serve the divine as well. And that's why we were created. Yes. And, you know, I think... Um, one aspect of love and the giving of love is taking an interest in others, you know, and anybody who's familiar with Star Trek, if you think back about the character of Mr. Spock, he didn't really take that much interest in other people. You know, he's a loner. He didn't No, there was no party in his quarters, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's part of the, 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 the thing that's missing in a character like that. It, because it, love is the motive behind wanting to get to know other people and taking an interest in them. Yeah, absolutely. That is why it is the force of everything in the universe. If you look at it deeply enough, you will see the energy of divine love in its workings. It, and it's, it's sometimes paradoxical. Love is the most powerful force of the universe. I had a channeling one time where a creator compared it to the energy in a hydrogen bomb. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. (laughs) And in a way, that is love as well, because it's a product of divinity, the intelligence and information content that makes it possible. Sure. And so 
we all know that things can be perverted. They can be turned to a dark purpose. They can be used to deceive and exploit. But that doesn't mean that love is evil. <laughs> it means <laughs> the degradation and perversion of love can be evil. Yes. So there's, there's more to it than, than just energy alone. It's in the application and the purpose. But we can learn these principles and if we live by them, be raised up. And to do it in a partnership with the divine will really ensure you get your full measure and then some. And then some indeed. And we'll be back with some more of that some right after this. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are exploring Creator's perspective on the Star Trek character Mr. Spock and the exaltation of logic. And uh, Carl and I were having a little discussion during the break, and I had mentioned that, you know, Mr. Spock is not the guy who throws a party in his quarters, you know, he, he doesn't really take an interest in other people, and he doesn't even share anything of himself, you have to ask him a direct question, and he'll give you a direct answer, but having a long conversation with, with Mr. Spock wasn't something that was even portrayed in the film that much. Yeah, I think the idea is to have love in the equation somewhere, because if you take away love, then you have basically a robotic character who can't really be the same as an average normal human being. And, of course, we have humans who are devoid of love. They're called narcissists and sociopaths. And if you're around one, they love to talk about themselves, but they take almost zero interest in you, I've noticed. (laughs) Well, that's the way it works, and that's the consequence of being devoid of feeling, especially love feelings. Yes. U.S. creator, the cousins of the Vulcans were the Romulans, depicted as descending from the same ancestral species. Unlike the Vulcans, the Romulans embraced their aggressive nature 
and allowed their lives to be ruled by passion, the result being that such passions led inevitably to depravity and evil. So we know the interlopers are both aggressive and atheist. Which depicts the interlopers better, the Balkans or the Romulans? And if the answer is the Romulans, what does that say about the advocacy of controlling one's passions as the Vulcans strive to do? All right, and Creator says the following. We see the character of the Romulans being defective every bit as much as the character of the Vulcan is defective. In a sense, these are two of multiple dimensions that are soul capabilities. Neither is complete. Neither is fully satisfactory or capable of experiencing a loving state of being and therefore being in divine alignment in a consistent way. Both profiles fall short because neither embraces love as a feature and a central idea and objective. The passion of the Romulans was to exalt the self. So it was an exhibition of ego run amok, more so than intensity and dedication to one's pursuits that might have an overabundance of emotion at times, but lead to something wondrous in the end, simply through sheer force of energy being applied. This comes back to the idea by their fruits, ye shall know them. What is it the Romulans bring about? What do they exhibit? What do they contribute? Are those encountering them better off by their presence? Are they raised up in some way? The art of living is to raise up others, but not at the expense of the self, so that all can be enhanced in a sharing a positive recognition of the importance of each individual to the whole, and a mutual respect and acceptance, despite differences that might be perceived in appearance or other characteristics. It is an acceptance that all are worthy and not inferior nor superior to the self, but having equal standing where differences are not a source of disparagement or discrimination, but simply seen for the reality they are variations of a theme and such variations all have their time and place of maximum benefit and appropriateness. And this will vary according to the environment one is in and who is present. These individual variations are a sole reflection of variability and recognize the divine wisdom that creation was to bring into existence an array of possibilities, not all yet fully formed, but still present as potential. Creator's plan is to have variety so one can delight in the magnificent array of individual characteristics, talents, and even idiosyncrasies. This adds great power to the human collective with such a wide array of makeup and talent that is available for the benefit of the whole to call upon as needed and appropriate for all kinds of enterprises, as well as having the sheer fascination and variety of experience from encountering those who differ from oneself. How dull would it be to only be able to look in a mirror and see oneself all day, every day? But there needs to be enough common ground, enough common similarity to feel a kinship. And many problems start when this is not fully on display and can be exploited by interlopers to darken your thoughts and perspectives. So this is interesting. You know, the Romulans are portrayed as as passionate and with with emotions run amok essentially, whereas the Vulcans are staid and logical and unemotional. 
in some ways, it seems like, you know, the Vulcans are a response to overzealousness. And the, the Romulans are the pristine example of over, overzealousness. And what Crater says is that both are lacking love. <laughs> yes, well, I think that is a, 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 an argument you can win. Yeah. There needs to be an integration of energies in a way that brings about a betterment of raising up. And how, what, what is a raising up? It's often a feeling a feeling and an emotional experiencing of contentment, of joy, of bliss, of belonging, of being loved, a sense of being loved. We all want that. People are thirsty for love. Yes. And yes. so that requires people being willing to, <laughs> to, to give it if they have it even. So you it's know, a rather important commodity. Absolutely. Um, actually, this just triggers a thought, which could be another radio show, which would be the, the role of desire, you know, because really love, in a sense, I think, is a form of desire. You know, we we desire love, but love itself is, is kind of a desire because love wants to expand. It wants to, you know, learn about everything around it and incorporate everything around it. So yeah, it might be an interesting idea for another radio show. Well, yes. Get, get going on it. <laughs> okay. You ask creator, we know that all humans are subject to interloper mind control manipulation. And that such manipulation takes advantage of anxiety and passion for much, if not most of its emotive power. So it seems the Vulcan pursuit of emotional control was an attempt to gain mastery of the very features of the self that the interlopers take full advantage of in humans, essentially depriving the interlopers of this influence over the individual. How much does mastery of one's emotional nature and passions and the ability to successfully cope with and neutralize traumas protect or even make one immune to mind control manipulation? All right. In creator answers, here you are confusing the ability to exhibit self-control with a diminution of the being that one must give up feelings to be strong. Again, this comes back to a question of balance. One can be quite strong, but from the strength of passion within and strong inner convictions about which one has a quite strong emotional reaction and experience in the motion, in the moment. The two are not contradictory. Again, it is a question of the emotional vibration in question. If it is one of negativity, whether aggressive or self-punishing, withdrawal, lack of confidence, and so on, the end result will be the same. This will be self-limiting. Others will withdraw from your presence if you cannot control negative extremes of emotion. So again, what you are striving for here would represent an ideal is to be in balance with respect to positive versus negative emotions. Love is the greatest force of the universe, but it requires balance in the expression. There is love in strength of all kinds. There is love in power of all kinds, just as there can be evil. The art of living is to find those expressions that are on the love side of the emotional scale, even in a blend of power and strength that might be needed in the moment to deal with adversity. So the last question for today is, can creators share how it is not logic, but love that is the highest pursuit and attainment, and how prayer work and the light work healing protocol are indeed 
the most logical pursuit there is. All right, and Creator says, because Creator's energy and being is the expression of love in its essence, and love being the greatest force in the universe, and balance being about restoration of love, and the art of living being about a fair distribution of love and being fair to the self, meaning one gets one's share of love like others do, this can, define, this can define pretty clearly the needed hand. When love is lacking, where do you turn? As love comes from above, it is the energy of God. Prayer is a natural resource for requesting the healing grace of the divine in the form of love to flow, to not only fill you up, but give you a full measure you can begin to share with others and repair the flaws in your own makeup that limit you and keep you deficient as a lover. In the same fashion, the Lightworker Healing Protocol provides the most elegant and complete way to right the wrongs of history in your soul's journey as a human being coming through all of time in many incarnations and being confronted again and again with evil. Many bad things have happened. They need love to heal them. Where will that come from? Especially if you are depleted and cannot even respect yourself. This is what the Lightworker Healing Protocol is for and is done by healers for others, provides an ideal arrangement to have a human advocate withstanding to request anything and everything that humans might need, and to have an advocate in your corner, perhaps with even greater belief in the divine and more belief in the self if you are diminished. Such an individual can be your champion and assist you to receive divine grace, to raise you up, to make life not only worth living, but a joy and a path to a future expansion beyond your dreams. Well, we, we know the Lightworker Healing Protocol is very, very powerful at healing. And I think that healing is something that seems logical, but it's also something we want. It's, it, there's a desire underneath it, and that desire stems from love. You know, Really, it's an act of love to want to heal and even to be healed, I think, Carl. Absolutely. And this is not even fully appreciated by the so-called spiritual community seeking enlightenment and all they say and do. You can't get that sitting alone, meditating and quieting your mind to make it empty. Right. <laughs> enlightenment, that thought, actually. enlightenment is healing in action because it's taking care of the things that distance you from God. And that enlightenment comes from getting back into a close unity, a partnership. Yes. You need to heal what's in your way to do that. Absolutely. And the best way to do that is the Lightworker Healing Protocol. You can download our ebook that describes it in detail at getwisdom.com slash LHP. That's getwisdom.com slash LHP. Carl, we, another one is in the books. Thanks to God. And uh, we'll see you next week, people. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 